Howdy, sailors. David Blacklock here with the Smarter Charter Bearboat Show. Hey, everybody. Today we're talking with Michael Domican. He's my colleague, friend, and co-author of the Smarter Charter Bearboat Guides. He's on the ground or maybe on the water in Tortola, British Virgin Islands, and he's going to give us the status update on what's going on in the sailing and chartering capital of the world. So, Michael, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing... Uh as well as can be expected, as I guess the saying goes. Um, I'm you know, personally happy and healthy. Um, it's summertime here in the Caribbean, of course, and uh, this is normally our low season at the best of times. Um, these aren't the best of times, but it's um, you know, even quieter than it would otherwise be because, of course, the island territory that I live on, the British Virgin Islands, which is the uh, self-described, and I think it's justifiably described as the charter boat capital of the world, is presently uh, closed to all but residents. So nobody can come in who is not actually resident here. You can leave, but you can't come back, even if mm-hmm. you are a resident. But actually, even if you are a resident, you can come back, but you have to go through two weeks of quarantine. So basically, because of that, almost nobody is coming in and almost nobody is going out. So it's a bit quiet. I know that you have a nice view down towards uh, Joost van Dijk from where you live. Do you see boats on the water much or like any sailing or chartering going on? Yeah, well, when we first closed down here, which was in March, it went from uh, very busy pretty much you know, high season still. In fact, I was on charter myself the week before close down. And it was all very busy. And then it went you know, complete contrast to absolutely no boats, not anything, not even local fishermen. Because we, we very quickly went into uh, first one week of lockdown and then let out for three days to do some shopping and then two weeks of lockdown after that. And during that period, as you, as you say, you've been here before at my house. That you know, I have a view looking towards Jos van Dijk, Sandy Key, and all that, and on, onwards to St. Thomas. And there was not a single vessel out there. No, neither, by the way, was there a single air, aircraft. I usually see the the Cape Air flights coming in from Puerto Rico, and so there's nothing in the sky, nothing on the water. Um, now we're, we're out of our curfew, so people are allowed out uh, to go shopping. In fact. Well, we still have a curfew, but I think it's uh, like midnight. Yes, it is midnight till five o'clock in the morning. So it's, you know, to all intents and purposes, there is no real curfew. And there are one or two boats out there. Uh, first of all, I see one or two local fishermen uh, from where I live. And there are one or two charter yachts out there. Between, like, when I say one or two, I mean literally one or two, not the dozens that you know, you'd normally see at any one time out there. Our mutual friend... Julian Putley, uh, his son has a, I think, a motorboat, a, a power yacht um, charter thing, you know, where he takes people out for day jaunts or something. They seem to be thriving along, but I guess with everybody, it has to be people who are resident in the territory, presumably. Well, yeah, there is a bit of that. In fact, I myself um, did a, a, a charter for a, a local, actually two families. We took out a a brand new, lovely actually, a 42-foot brand new Lagoon Catamaran last week. 
Okay. And there's one or two um, charters like that because the lockdown, as I mentioned, um, caused people like myself, families like myself, people who would ordinarily in the summertime visit uh, Europe or the US or Canada, essentially places where they're you know, originally from, this would be the time of year to go do that for reasons that you know well. It's, um, it's always warm here in the Caribbean, but it's exceptionally warm usually in the summertime. And so if you're going to go, that's probably the time to go to the, the northern hemisphere where you know, the summer evenings are delightful and uh, you know, it stays light until nine o'clock in England and elsewhere. So it's a lovely time of the year in northern Europe or North America. And that's been curtailed, of course, since the lockdown. So many of these families are, in fact, I would say not many, I'd say almost all of them are remaining here during the summer. And they have nowhere to go but um, in the local islands here. And meanwhile, you've got all these charter companies which have had very little business since March, almost no business since March, and yet they have these lovely boats. So the charter companies are realizing, wow, there's actually people here who normally aren't here. Many of these people are doctors, lawyers, dentists, professionals who they're all working. They have been working from home, so they haven't. They've been sort of making money or uh, furloughed. So there's people here with money, families with money. There are boats that being unused so the charter companies are offering staycation charter deals to uh, local locally based people and mm-hmm. people are taking them up on it and you know the weather even though it's warmer than in the winter it's still perfectly pleasant as you'll mm-hmm. find down here we, we do get a bit spoiled here don't we we, we also get a bit fussy about oh you know the water temperature water temperature is only 79 degrees <laughs> going in, um, and um, but of course, if you're coming in from northern Europe or North America, it's, it's it's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, you and I both used to live in New York. Well, here, as you know, it's much more pleasant here in July and August. We don't have any seasons really. We well, we have high uh, season, low season. The leaves are always on the trees. I mean, as we're speaking, which is late July. The hurricanes are really just beginning, are they? I mean, there's uh, there's one this week. Because this was projected to be a very busy hurricane season, but there hasn't really been much action in the southern uh, parts. I mean, there's been a couple of tropical storms off Florida and and so forth. But So it may be beginning. Maybe, but unless we get uh, a Category 4 or 5 mm. with the eye wall, uh, I must say, after the experience of Irma in, in 2017, where we got direct hit by the eye wall. It's, it's the eye wall now that I um, am concerned about more than just the right. hurricane. Um, we had Maria brush by us just after Irma, and we didn't, it was still a category five, but because we didn't get the eye wall, frankly, after, in comparison with Irma, it just felt like a lot of wind. It was right. just completely chalk and cheese different. So is the government offering any support to the maritime industry, do you know? I mean, are they well, helping it, charter companies with anything? It, or? 
Well, actually, I just was reading in the local press today that they're actually going to start uh, giving out some money to businesses. As you know here, there is no unemployment insurance for regular workers. Although, again, to their credit, I must say I'm quite I'm pleasantly surprised, the, um, the government have put their hand in their pockets and started to issue uh, unemployment checks to anybody, whether you're whether you work in a restaurant or a charter company, uh, if you've been laid off, and many of the charter companies have furloughed their entire or almost almost their entire staff, apart from a skeleton crew. Others, like the smaller, more boutique, family-owned companies, they they've kept people on, but they put them on. Like, you know, you work five days and somebody else works five days. So they're rotating it to keep everybody sort of employed but on reduced hours. So I think there's a lot of goodwill. I, I think, you know, there's no riots in the streets and everybody's going hungry. And um, uh, and the UK, because we're a British territory, is is, is sending what, if not financial... Well, they, they've been, of course, asked for financial aid and they've said, look, you see what you guys can do first in terms of your resources and then... If needs be, we will help out. When the business does pick up again, it's going to be everybody's going to have to restaff with uh, with suitably qualified people. You know, it's, it's not going to be. It's it's the same. It's not only the, the islands. It's everywhere in the world. It's you know the ramifications are, are dire, really. Well, on the other hand, if, if can people charter in St. Thomas? Yes, they can. St. Thomas, by the way, I mean, we're talking about how things are here. I was talking about where I live, because that's the island group that I know the best, of course. But um, several other islands in the Caribbean are open. Uh, the most open is United States Virgin Islands, which is just a few nautical miles from where I'm speaking. And they have opened their doors to everybody. So... Mm. They do have, they, they always, they were never the preferred charter location among the Virgin Islands, as you know, but they did have one or two small charter companies, and so I'm sure they're, they're doing okay for those people that do want to charter. Don't forget, it's not everybody's feeling comfortable about getting on an airplane right now. But for those that are, then you could go to the United States Virgin Islands. And right. I know the Dream Yacht Charter, which is a very large international operators you know um, they have a quite a large base here in the BVI I'm not sure if it's entirely COVID related or they they did it slightly I seem to recall them starting it just before this so maybe it's a happy coincidence for them but they have established a base on St. Thomas on the south of St. Thomas I do know they've moved quite a few vessels from here to there for that purpose Uh, and can, well, I just wonder whether, because of the U.S. Uh, connection, can can people travel between the U.S. Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico? They're open yeah. borders. Yes, yeah. they're both, as you know, they're both U.S. territories. So yeah, you can travel freely. Although Puerto Rico is having a bit of a hot spot, you know, COVID hot spot, along with the, some other U.S. states. So right. people are not because people it's a much more crowded island. So if people wanted to go chartering now, they could they could do it in the in the U.S. territories. If you're from the U.S., most depends upon yeah. where you come from. Pretty much, put it this way, I guess simplicity, there are islands like the British Virgin Islands and others, but 
But in terms of the yacht charter market, the BVR, of course, is much by far the largest. There are some territories that are completely closed to all outsiders. Mm-hmm. There are some other territories, such as, for example, St. Martin, which has a number of charter bases, but they are open to low-risk countries, meaning principally Europe. I know you're you know, in the Antipodes, but as you know, as great a country as it is there and as great sailors they are there and New Zealand, we don't get many Aussies or Kiwis visiting here to charter. So our main market is North America. Second, I would say Europe. Third, South America. Of the three regions, Europe being the first to go into this first Western country anyway, the Western region is coming out of it the earliest, and they, you know, they seem to have um, done fared pretty well. The North North America, by which I principally mean the United States, is well, so they, it seems they haven't even emerged from their first wave yet. South America, ditto. So, you know, even if uh, Europe is extremely low risk, it's 4,000 miles from most of the Caribbean. So we don't, I don't see us getting too much business in the, in, in the important winter, upcoming winter season. Right. Unless things change. I mean, who knows? There could be some, not just a, a virus, but they could, a, a vaccine rather, but there could be some strong antiviral therapeutic drugs that make it much less threatening a, a thing to get. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, I think we all remain hopeful. And also there's a possibility, as many territories are currently doing now, where to enter, you have to have a COVID negative test taken with 48 or 72 hours. That, you know, that can help a lot too. And I know historically a lot of European sailors have gone directly through like uh, Martinique or even down to Grenada or, or you know, direct flights out of Europe and sailed the southern uh, Caribbean a lot more. Yeah, that's and, true. Uh, uh, it has a lot to do, of course, as you say, with um, the direct flights. The BVI, which is has no direct connection to North America. Anywhere, really. Yeah. Well, no, but, 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 but the, the reason for its attractiveness, as you well know, is that it's, uh, it's much more both user-friendly and has many more islands that are a short day sail. Right. You start to Grenada, Grenadines, other places, down island from here, the sailing is wonderful, the people are great, it's totally fantastic, except that you really have to know how to handle the vessel a little bit more than perhaps you might need to in the, in the Virgin Islands. Right, yeah. But of course, it's summertime in the um, Northern Hemisphere, so sailors in the U.S. and other places can have their pleasures in their home states, pretty much, or in their, if they're on the coast, anywhere from Florida to Maine is you know, going to be sailing opportunity, and on the West Coast, too, a little bit. Um, but that'll all change. The pressure will come, I'm sure, when, when the, uh, the temperature starts to drop up there and everybody starts thinking about because so many people made it a, an annual trek down to the islands for their week or two week um, venture on the water so well, you're, you're you know. I, mean, I, th- I think that the, the, the attractiveness of, of uh, a week or two weeks sailing in the Caribbean when wherever it is you live whether it's North America or Europe has basically crummy weather that attraction you know 
has always been there and will always be there. So long as people have you know, money in their bank accounts and let's face it, people, the sort of people who come down here to charter a, a, a modern uh, luxury charter yacht in the Caribbean self-select themselves to be fairly, if not high net worth, whatever that strict definition is, at least they're, you know, they're, they're professional people who they're probably not being furloughed. They're probably working from home because this pandemic has you know, unfairly hit people who can't work from home, who are the, have the manual laborers, the people who have to wait tables or clean places or you just can't do their work from home. Whereas mm. the professional classes, for the most part, of course, not everybody, not doctors, not dentists, but many people, accountants, lawyers, and so forth, can work from home. So many people in both Europe and um, North America are pretty much making pretty good coin still and are not really necessarily economically hurting. And they're, they're, they're our customer base anyway. So I think the demand will still be there. What will prevent that demand from coming down here is going to be going to be um, possible fear of flying, and of course the entry restrictions, if any. Yeah. yeah. Well, no one's going to let any anybody from the U.S. in for quite a while, I should think. Well, I think that the thing with that is that you're right, but um, the realities of livelihoods versus lives, which is the debate that's going on in pretty much every country. Well, some, at some point, that has to make contact with reality. However, uh, a lot of the charter companies in the BVI were restocking with new vessels yeah. after the after the hurricanes. And I was wondering if you could give us a sort of an overview of what you've seen in terms of new uh, approaches to things or yeah. innovations yeah. or sure. complications. I, 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 well, you know, as devastating as the storm was, and, you know, I, I, I went through it, as many people did who were obviously here. It was uh, awful. I never want to go through one again. However, the charter yacht industry, even though they may have lost, I mean, varies fleet to fleet, but let's say on average 50% of the yachts were destroyed or rendered useless, then that gave them the opportunity to, to restock uh, with newer, albeit fewer, boats. And um, I think the fewer part is actually important because anybody who's been chartering here in uh, the winter of 2016 to 17, which is obviously the one prior to the storm, will tell you it's actually getting really crowded here. Lots of boats, lots of people. It became challenging to even find anywhere to, to anchor a wharf you came in later in the day. So yeah. that, that's a condition that in my, what was it now, 18, 19 years of living here, sailing here full time, I'd never really experienced before. And yeah, well, I, I left uh, I left the BVI at the end of 2016. And yeah. that was my experience. It was like it was full on. It was unbelievable. It, yeah, it was really yeah. challenging. And even to experienced people like you and I, who you know, know where to always find a spot when you come in, but... Um, it was getting really, really, you know, a bit too busy. Now, of course, everybody in the business was saying, this is great. Yeah, busy is great. Lots of work, lots of 
charter companies making money, the restaurants were making money, the bars were making money, mooring for people. Every, you know, so from the fiduciary point of view, it was terrific. I was making money. I was constantly in demand. But I think the overall experience, I mean, to be honest, was a little bit suboptimal. Uh, for people like me who had seen it in the older days, and you you yourself, if you just, if it's your first time here, you thought it was all great. So I think that after the storm, where you know, that next season was pretty much you know non-existent, of course, because it happened in September. When I say the season, I mean, of course, the winter season. But then the following season, the charter companies had by then got rid of their damaged boats, or the ones that were basically too damaged to offer to clients. They'd been sold or recycled or scrapped, and they'd taken... Uh, the uh, foresight to already order, because many of these boats have a two-year build slot. You, know, you order the boat from Lagoon or Beneteau, you don't just buy it off the shelf. You have to right. get a build slot on the production line. So many of them had contacted the, you know, been in touch, obviously, with the owners. Because as you know, almost almost all of the charter yachts in the Caribbean are privately owned by individuals, not by the charter companies. So these individuals, the majority uh, wanted to continue. Not not all of them, of course. Some of them decided to just take the insurance money and just not come back or take a break from, from, from charter yacht ownership for a while. But many of them decided to buy a new boat. So the boats that okay. had been, say, three, four, five years old, towards the end of their charter life, were replaced by brand spanking new, um, 2018, 2019 edition, shiny new monohulls and catamarans uh, with all the latest kit. So so certainly just prior to um, the, the winter, the, the Thanksgiving and the Christmas prior to this pandemic, there were, first of all, it was, it was not quite as crowded as when you were here because, of course, the storm got rid of many boats. Mm. Um, but it was probably as, as, as good a year as I can ever remember, because not just were the boats new, the majority, but um, there were fewer of them, which was great. So it made it less crowded. And as if that wasn't enough of a bonus, many of the bars and restaurants had been rebuilt stronger and better. And they'd taken the opportunity to to expand or just modify the, their exteriors and make the whole experience uh just nicer for, for the guests you know, and everybody who lives here. So it was really going quite well um, until the pandemic here. Everybody was was really enjoying everything. And then, of course, the next thing ahead. I'll tell you one thing that's kind of odd is that uh, all, although we had nice new boats and nice uh, new or well, rebuilt restaurants and bars, the winter of um, the, you know, the real high season winter of 
about six to eight weeks. It was honking. Right. Uh, with also quite a bit of rain. So it was very atypical. I'd never experienced, um, we always get the Christmas winds, but these were Christmas winds with rain. And it was actually, for all the nice boats and nice bars, I was quite taken aback at how, um, I wouldn't say unpleasant, everybody had a good time especially the boats I was on, because obviously I'm a professional skipper, but um, it was, was often I'd be sailing out there and I'd be the only boat because everyone else is hunkered down in, in harbours and bays. Right. So and then my last charter was in the beginning of March, and that actually was reasonable weather. And then COVID hit and lockdown. And then, as if by magic, the weather turned absolutely brilliant again. So since right. lockdown, we have had fabulous weather with very little rain. <laughs> Beautiful blue skies, white fluffy clouds, and uh, you know, consistent 15 knot breeze from the east. So it's just it's just really surreal, you know. <laughs> so what's the new technologies that you're excited about? Anything for the boats? Yeah. Um, the boats just getting more comfortable uh, for the guests to be on. Uh, added uh, facilities, which when I first came here were unimaginable. Many of the modern yachts, especially in the larger ones, meaning uh, north of, uh, say, 46, 47 feet, many of them now have water makers, which was something like the super yachts had in my day. Uh, They all have generators if they're of that size, and even sometimes even smaller boats have generators. They all have amazing fridge freezers, whereas when I first came here, it was just an icebox that was driven off a belt from the diesel engine. And... um, so the facilities are, uh, are great. It's more like a floating condo now. Condo now. Mm. Uh, for the catamarans in particular, but even the even the monohull become more comfortable. Uh, they've um, all got built-in Wi-Fi, so you've got communications. They've got fantastic, well, you know, car type eight or sixteen, depending on the size of the boat, speaker sound systems, which are all Bluetooth connected. They've got large widescreen color chart plotters which you can actually read in daylight, and some of the larger boats even have radar. So hmm. in terms of facilities, they've got a lot more comfortable. Um, especially this time of the year, and I was out last week with people who live in the VVI, so they're used to the warm temperatures. And um, there was two families plus me, and uh, I have air conditioning in the bedroom but I only put it on if absolutely necessary because I'm, my elevation is 500 feet here, so it's a bit cooler. But on the water, as you know, because I only used to live on the water in the harbour, you know mm-hmm. how sticky it gets in, uh, in the summertime. Where, so this little 42-foot lagoon catamaran, 42-foot, had a, a generator which kept the whole boat cool all night. So we were all sleeping in cool air in comfort every night with blankets and all of us said well what a novelty because we don't do this at home so apart from the wonderful sailing we had and and for the guests especially they got to see places which even though they're resident in the bvi they, they got to see places like you know the dogs and you know monkey point and places which unless you have a boat you can't get to oh we went to fall in jerusalem which none of them had ever seen before so you know secret little spots like yeah. that um, they, had, they had a blast. They got to see parts of the British Virgin Islands they'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got to sleep in air-conditioned comfort every night, which is something they don't do at home. Mm. Beautiful. So, 
so that didn't happen when I first came here. You know, the, yeah. the boats, unless you're on a very large vessel, uh, well, very large. I mean, what? I think you had to be over way north of 55 feet to have air conditioning when I first came. Yeah. And that wasn't uh, a bare boat. If you were on a 55-foot boat, that was a crew job. Remember those um, those big cats when the, when the 65s came into the moorings and... Uh, mm. Well, no, you were on that Benet- that uh, Genoa 54 for a bit, weren't you? That had, um, and that was a that that boat was like a super yacht compared with the boats in the rest of the fleet. Like that. So, what about power cats? Well, they're the new new thing, as as you 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 and I both know, and we've written a, a new book on that. Yeah, they they have really, um, I must say, I've been astonished at their success when I first came here. Because of the aforementioned trade winds, which are blowing pretty much all the time through the high season, I never thought this was actually a very good motor yacht and motorboat um, destination. Why would you want to be out here in the wind when there's fantastic breeze to sail wherever you want? Of course, then I started um, captaining and instructing on sailing catamarans, which for all their virtues, don't sail very well to windward because, mm. not because they're catamarans, but because they don't have daggerboards or centerboards, at least the cruising versions that we we use here. So in the absence of daggerboards or centerboards, these boats sail, well, they, 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 they tack through 100 degrees and the leeway is getting on for 10 degrees, so that doesn't, those two things doesn't, don't combine for much. VMG, for much velocity made good when you're trying to sail upwind. And so many of these sailing cats ended up motoring upwind and sailing downwind. And so people got used to the idea of motoring upwind instead of you know beating your way up, which is what you do in a monohull. And they got used to the, the benefits of that, that is getting there quicker, getting there, spending more time at your destination, even if it's a lunch stop at the baths or dogs or or anywhere, and then moving on, and then enjoying the sailing while it's so light and easy, uh, going downwind, where the apparent wind, of course, is less anyway. And so that's, that's the thing, the pattern that a lot of charter guests got used to, and the charter companies started noticing it, and um, started developing embryonic you know, ch- um, power catamaran uh, fleets, which essentially were the manufacturers of these cats doing power yacht versions of the very same hull they were selling as uh, sailing catamarans, just putting a slightly modified superstructure on and and then putting slightly larger engines in. But to all intents and purposes, if you were inside one of these things, it was exactly the same as a sailing catamaran. And you remember those, um, those, those moorings, uh, 7400s, they were essentially the same thing as the, as the 7400s. Sailing catamaran. Mm, mm. But since then, uh, things have moved on. The popularity of them has increased uh, dramatically. And um, both the moorings and this uh, relatively new player marine mats have gone big time into uh, not repurposed sailing catamarans, but purpose designed and purpose built power catamarans. And uh, they're proving extremely popular. Uh, for mm. all the reasons we go into in our books, and uh, and even though 
if you've been on a sailing catamaran and operated it under power, you'd be somewhat familiar with uh, how to work one of these things. You know, even myself, when I first time I went on one and, and, and uh, did an instructional class on it, even I was a bit surprised by the extra power in these turbocharged engines and the fact that they have more multi-bladed propellers, bigger. They have all the things that you, you wouldn't have on a sailing catamaran, such as larger diameter uh, propellers, way bigger engines, uh, because they all have, or most of them, almost all of them, I think, actually have fly bridges. They have to have fly-by-wire controls. You can't have a cable going that far. So um, you're operating electronic throttles, uh, bigger engines. It's, it takes a little bit of, um, not it doesn't take a week-long course, I don't think, to operate one of these, but certainly in terms of close maneuvering and um, just general safe operation of the vessel. It takes a, a little bit of getting getting used to, all of which we go into in, in our book. Yes, it's been interesting, the, the development of the Powercat, because um, I think for a lot of a lot of people that may be, you know, of a, of a family group, it may be a, the, uh, the older parents, their children, the grandchildren and all that, often it's the older members of the family that enjoy sailing and the younger ones enjoy more um, adrenaline-producing activities like kiteboarding and that sort of thing. So it's more. It's, I think it became a lot of fun for people to motor from A to B and then get out the boards, get out the kites, and go and, and have a bash, you know, in the in big wind and so forth. So it's um, yeah, it's a very. Well, it's just a very uh, – it feels like we're at the cusp of something. I mean, do you notice there are few – are there fewer monohull sailing boats now? Or? Well, the, 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 there is certainly fewer. But that, that I think that, – that's absolutely true. There are certainly fewer monohull sailing yachts. But that development is, I think, unrelated to power cats and more a reflection on the popularity of, of sailing cats. And maybe – you know, tertiarily yeah. to the, the power cats. But people don't, in my experience, anyway, don't move from the, the monohull to the power cat. And they, if they move, and many of them do, because, of course, they come here, they see these um, sailing catamarans, if they haven't already seen them at a boat show or something, but they, they see them up close and personal at the dock when they're doing their charter starts. They see them at every anchorage and warm field they go to and they see them back at the base when they when they return the vessel and of course they're tempted and in fact more than welcome to look around these things and you only have to look around one of these things from the inside especially if you've got a family to appreciate the spaciousness compared with any monohull and if you've got family and you want to bring water toys with you like paddle boards and mm. kayak but then it's just a, an infinitely more pleasant platform. The, the charge where I was on, actually, last week, this is with people who live in the British Virgin Islands, they brought their own kayak and their own paddleboard with them. Um, okay. And they brought, and we had three kids on the boat, three young children, and they loved it. They were, they were just, I'm sure, were you to ask the children, they would have enjoyed the, um, the paddleboard and the kayaking at different locations 
more than they enjoyed the uh, the sailing we did. Mm. Um, even though we had a lovely brand new yacht sailing in pristine conditions. Mm. Mm. They probably enjoyed the dinghy ride as well. So no, you, 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 you're right. You've got to please uh, everybody on the boat. And if the majority of those people are younger kids, then uh, the, the catamaran, the sailing catamaran is a crowd pleaser. And if you haven't got too much time on your hands or you want to visit more places in a given time, then, of course, the power catamaran, which travels faster than the sailing catamaran in the path, is, uh, is, the, is the way to go. Uh, yeah. It's difficult to beat. It's interesting development because, I mean, the BVI and the Caribbean in general were famous for being sailing destinations for, for centuries. You know, they were great. Um, the wind was perfect and, and it blew from the right direction at the right speed and so forth. Yeah, well, I think actually that's going to continue despite the popularity. Mm. I think there's room for both, frankly. Um, I think that there always will be, will be people who are still interested in more interested in sailing than in uh, power boating for all of its benefits mm. until, until perhaps they get much older. I've had a, uh, uh, I can think of uh, two families who have been lifelong sailors who have been repeat clients of mine who, um, as they got into their 70s and retired from their professions, um, decided to sell. These are owners of, um, of monoholes, sailing monoholes decided to sell their boats and buy um, power catamarans. Uh, right. Just so they, they could bring their kids, because their kids weren't as interested in sailing. Actually, I mean, contrary to what the, the example you gave earlier, you know, the, the sort of the, uh, sort of somewhat fictional example of, you know, the kids wanting the adrenaline. They, they may want the adrenaline sports, but they don't all want, and they all haven't had time or the inclination um, it takes both to learn how to sail. So, yeah, they like yeah. the water, they like water sports, but they, their idea of water sports is a jet ski or paddleboarding. Or, right. They all possibly yeah. surfing or windsurfing. Um, yeah. I mean, not that those latter two don't require some effort, but they certainly don't require the kind of investment um, that uh, sailing a yacht requires. So, you know, the, the power... Catamaran offers a great party, you know, water toy carrying platform for taking people where they want to go. And I think it's also people are seeing an advantage in because in some places it's a sprint. Once you come off your mooring at the end, in the morning, you've had your breakfast, and then you have to race to the next destination to get a mooring ball. And, well, that's uh, true. I mentioned yeah. particularly, you know, prior to the, right about, you know, when you left, just afterwards, it got really busy. Um, mm. And now to counter that, as, 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 as you know, we've uh, reported on this in our, in our books, that I, to my knowledge anyway, uniquely in the Caribbean, uh, the British Virgin Islands now is home to these um, reservable, mooring boards so you don't have to race to get to the next destination if you've managed to snag one of these um so well like self-styled boaty balls which are reservable uh, off your smartphone right uh, now i've used them 
rarely um, in situations where I'm in, I, where I have guests that absolutely positively want to be in a specific location, which I know is going to fill up uh, before I get there. And I'm thinking of places like Cooper Island that are um, off limits for anchoring for pretty much all the bareboat companies prohibit anchoring there because of the, the seagrass and the shelf that drops off and the mm. general poor holding ground. So uh, even though I do anchor there if I'm on a private yacht, I don't want to um, go against the charter yacht regulations and an anchor boat where they you know, explicitly say you can't anchor. So in those situations, I have tried to use boat people. It's very, in my experience, very difficult to snag a reservation. Um, I know that they, they're taking, making efforts to to try to make it, you reserve, well, the thing is, there's just way more demand than there is supply. They can't keep right. on putting boring balls down, and there are hundreds of people who want, say, 30 balls. So you, know, you can just do the math on that. And right. they'll go, to say they go in 30 seconds is an exaggeration. They're all gone in five seconds. Right. Well, it's interesting, though, because when business does resume it'd be interesting to see just how much demand there is initially that maybe you know may revert to the way it used to be for some time you know with a smaller number of people on the water and you know much more availability of of uh, moorings and so forth yeah maybe i mean who knows i can tell you that you know i was out as i said last week and it was quite surreal being of that for uh, six days and everywhere I went I was the only boat there's only one occasion where we were in uh, I think it was North Sound and there was another vessel and I think that was a crude yacht that was basically parked there because they were unemployed right. so every single restaurant we went to um, and they're not all open of course but the ones that were open everywhere we went we were the only people mm. uh, and they were very happy to see us, of course. Uh, well, that's the way I, I first yeah. came to know the BVI. was sailing into a pretty much empty bay or a cove and either dropping the hook or picking up a mooring if there was one. And being, you know, maybe the only boat, maybe there are one or two others. And that was very nice. I would <laughs> It would be nice to see that again, I think. You know? And I think people come because that's, that's their, that was maybe their first exposure to the to the islands, that sort of thing, and they keep coming back. And, and word spread, and word kept kept spreading. And Kenny Chesney made his videos, you know. And, and uh, the next thing you know, it's it's um, spring break every every day. Well, at some locations, mm -hmm. but I mean, there's all as you know, there's always been if you know where to go. Yeah. Uh, some secret little spots where. Either A, there are no mooring balls, uh, or B, uh, it's not in the cruising guide as a safe place to go, uh, or C, it's a red zone on the um, on the charter yachts uh, advice right. guide. Well, yeah. a red zone for bare boats, but if it's a professional skipper, they kind of you know look the other way, as it were. Um, and there are still one or two spots like that. No, many of these places, in fact, I would say every single one of the, those kind of places, of course, has no restaurant or bar if it ended to be popular. But, yeah. you know, they're, they're still, it's for, for people who just want to, to eat on board, uh, barbecue off the back of the boat, or, or 
you just acquire it. There's still, if you know where to go, you can still find those. Like, well, of course, now they, every place is like that. But, but um, even in the high season, for people who wanted that, I could always find somewhere. Although I will say, over the years, fewer and fewer people wanted that. They actually, people seem to actually enjoy a bit of nightlife and people yeah. watching. So even though I would always offer that if people wanted it, I didn't get many requests, actually. Right. So what is it now that you're offering now? You, you, I mean, we write and, and publish uh, a variety of books. You live, you're living there. I'm living in Australia on an island. Uh, you know, I'm looking out now. At, uh, I can see a, a green buoy in the middle of the river, and um, I have to ride a dinghy back and forth to go to to the mainland. You know, so it's like living on a boat. But um, you you have your own business you're a caribbean sailing coach and yeah. you freelance as a skipper primarily uh i am offering uh, coaching services to people who uh for the most part uh, already know how to sail uh, larger vessels although if you don't i will teach you how to do it but uh what i really specialize is specialize in is People who either have owned, do own, or don't own, but have chartered 40 to 55 foot uh, monoholds or or catamarans, sail or power, and um, just want to improve their skills. Because um, many people have done some kind of sailing course, both, both you and I have taught those kind of sailing courses, and we both know that uh, in the limitations of, say, a five-day, six-day course with multiple people on the boat and factoring in time for sitting, written examinations and racing through the, the syllabus, that at the end of the day, not everybody is really quite ready for prime time. There's many things that, and it's no fault of the sailing schools or the individual instructors, both of which you, know, you and I have been those instructors, but the people get overwhelmed. Uh, and so people always want to learn more. Hey, I, I want to learn more. You never finish learning in this business. So that, that's really the, the sort of service that I offer. And people who just want to learn a bit more, they want to get, say, more comfortable with docking the boat because they've only got an hour's practice with it and ever since they've done that, They've been a bit nervous about it, or they they never really understood heaving to and the, and the many virtues of, and uses for that. Or they they're never really comfortable in in reefing. So you know when they see a a, a dark squall approaching, they just take the sails down and motor through it, or or race to a shelter. So. You know, none of that is, of course, is necessary. You, you can deal with, and you should be self-reliant and be able to deal with pretty much everything. And, of course, it's more enjoyable if you do. You can actually extend your your sailing time. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, earlier uh, in this chat, in um, prior to the pandemic, there was blowing old boots down here all over the Caribbean, and I was often the only boat out there. It's blowing 25, 30 knots pretty much every day mm-hmm. for weeks. And if you knew how to, if you felt comfortable in that, uh, and I agree it's not for everybody, um, but it's actually very satisfying to know that you can do it and it's um, you know, it's, it's not half bad, especially going downwind, of course. But, right. um, so it's basically 
getting people more comfortable, honing their skills, and extending their range too, because uh, another, uh, I think, I like to think anyway, valuable skill that uh, many people don't have but want to have is the ability to sail past uh, sundown. Yeah. Well, I know you've taken um, people uh, on long multi-island journeys through the uh, Caribbean. Yeah, many of them actually, in fact, is it all of them? Yeah, I think all of them I've done have been with charter or owners because, of course, you know, they get essentially free time on their yachts. So, I mean, to go to do an extensive run down to Nevis or you know, even Grenada and then bring it back again, it, it takes yeah. weeks. So, you know, you need to, and if you're paying for that time, then it's, it, it can get pricey. Uh, but, you know, as I said earlier, you know, you know well, all these individual charter yachts are privately owned by somebody. Mm. And, and these are actually the people who are prime candidates who are wanting to use their assets more. more right. Because nice as the BVI is, or say you're both based in St. Martin, if you're just limiting it to that island or nearby islands, after the first, say, three or four years of that, it gets a bit sort of, you want to go somewhere else. And uh, right. So I, I teach a lot of those people how to extend their range. Yeah, great. Um, I'll make links to to your websites and everything like that. So I think I don't know. I think maybe we've exhausted most of the general discussion about uh, like a status report on how things are, are in the in the islands. And you know, who knows what's going to come in the next few months? Let's hope it's good. And uh, that everything changes nice and quickly. But um, perhaps uh, we will, well, because we'll pick this up later in our discussions. Um, like we'll go to different themes and so forth. So, okay. um, well, I look forward to that. And that's unfortunately where we lost the connection. Just to follow up, Michael's website is Caribbean Sailing Coach. Dot com, uh, and you can find out more there. And just let me add that at the time we were speaking, which was in mid to late July, things looked as if they might change more rapidly than they have. So just a word of caution, check conditions in your preferred destination. Don't rely on the, on the data that we have been throwing around because most of it is not reliable any longer. Okay, friends, that's it for today. Uh, Thank you for listening. If you want to check us out on the web, we're at Smarter Charter Guides. That's guide, got an S on the end, dot com or Facebook. 